Hello, this is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager and Commander Woolsey from Stargate Atlantis. If I only get in Star Wars someday, I will have made the trifecta. And you're listening to Neil Before Pod, because you are smart. Neil Before Blog presents... Neil Before Pod. My name is Craig McKenzie and I'm definitely not the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw so many comic books and became obsessed. Then the internet made me someone who comments on them. To the outside world, I'm a slightly functional human being, but blatantly I use my nerdiness to comment extensively and find others like me. One day, I'll blend into society, but that day is not today. This is Neil Before Pod. Here, as always, when we talk about DC shows, we've got Chris. Hello. Hello, Chris. Hello. And we have a brand new guest on Neil Before Pod, first time contributor. Hi, Andrew. Hello there. Welcome aboard. Thank you very much for having me. I mean, I could have just waltzed straight in because, like, the security on this place is appalling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the security of this place. Much like something that we may talk about. He's going to fit in here. Andrew is a listener who wanted to contribute and. I'm all for letting people work for free, so that's why I'm letting them on. So, Andrew, why don't you tell us, the listeners a little bit about yourself, since you've never been here before? Okay, well, much like Craig, I, I am a gigantic nerd who who writes things things about films when, when he has the time, although not quite to the ridiculous extent which Craig somehow manages to do. Um, <laughs> and... And I am one of the lead writers for Starburst, which is the the world's longest-running magazine of cult entertainment, as goes their official tagline, which basically means I I write nerdy reviews of nerdy films, and TV, and books, and comics, and audio, and games, and pretty much pretty much everything you can think of. Basically, living the dream. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, for listeners who don't know, a magazine is a pretty <laughs> thing that, that, that's usually found in shops where you can turn pages and read stuff. It's like it's a like, papery blog. It's like a web page, but it's on actual paper. Sometimes glossy. Ooh. So, uh, so you can find Andrew's writing in uh, Starburst, which is available at all good and possibly not so good news agents. I don't know, is it still in news agents? It Are there still might be. Yeah, well, I know it's in it's in W. H. Smith, which which apparently was recently voted the world's worst high street chain. <laughs> also, according, according to Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I saw that this morning. But how many high street chains are there left? It's a ghost town up there. There's Greg's. Greg's, yeah, definitely one of the best. That one. <laughs> For an American yeah. listeners, uh, or just non-Scottish listeners, Greg's is a baker. They, you can get steak bakes for reasonable prices. Unfortunately, they're not sponsoring us. If, there, if ever there was a sponsor that was befitting this podcast, I think a Greg's <laughs> bake is pretty high up there, actually. That's, uh, uh, we, could yeah. be, we could be eating donuts right now. We could be. And uh, we could be eating your company's donuts if you want to sponsor us here on Neil Before Pod. Yeah, there, it, if there's some online retailer of donuts that can send them fresh to your door, oh, there must we're be. We're all for it. <laughs> if yeah, not, and we're going off to patent that right now. Yeah, that's it. Yes, yeah, like, if not, why not? 
exactly. You do have to make them, though, which would make our business plan fall apart, I think. No, that's the dream. We go to Greg's, we buy the donuts, we oh, sell them to customers at overinflated prices for a monthly subscription, and people forget they've signed up to our subscription, but still, donuts keep coming through their letterbox. It's <laughs> awesome! We make loads of money! <laughs> Literally through their letterbox, just wrapped in, like, yeah. paper. Just posted through, all crushed and jammed everywhere. A, j- a jiffy bag of crushed donuts. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. That would be amazing. Not Not for the consumer, but it'd be amazing for me. It would be so funny. Anyway, enough about donuts. So, before we get onto our main topic, we're back with our brand new in-training feature. Seems to be going okay so far. We've had one instance of duplication, but less... But, but you know, teething problems. They're allowed. Um, okay, so, Andrew, since you're new here... You can go first. What would you like to kneel before? Well, I would very much like to kneel before the the trailer which was recently released for The Death of Superman, which is uh, the, uh, the next in line of the animated DC movies, because it looks truly magnificent. DC ha- had previously done like the, this story before, like, in what I believe was their, actually their first animated movie, which was uh, Superman Doomsday. It depends. Who, I mean, I think it's the first one of their kind of regular slate, but they had stuff before that, didn't they? They had, like, Rat Mask of the Phantasm and, and stuff like that. Right, yes, yes. But it's also the, the first one um, in how they are chronologically listed on Wikipedia yeah. and, and, and how, I, how I arranged them all to watch in order. <laughs> And then it turned out that didn't matter because they all have different continuities. The trailer looks like the will be very exciting and action-packed. And since the the very title tells you pretty much how how it's going to it's going to end, yeah, um, it certainly seems that Doomsday looks like uh, looks menacing and powerful enough to be convincing as a creature that could actually do that. Yeah, I've seen that trailer, or I think I've seen some of the trailer. Um, it's based. I think it's basically in the same continuity as the Justice League War and Throne of Atlantis films. Or it looks, the animation looks the same, anyway. Superman with so much neck on his costume. Yeah, and also Wonder Woman having a, quite quite a distinct costume that she's been given in it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks alright. Um, Superman Doomsday was a film that I really liked, where you had, uh, was it Adam Baldwin as Superman in that one? And I think it was, yes. There's Lex Luthor, and like, uh, cause there was a lot of buzz about that at the time because look at all these celebrities that have got voice in these characters. Uh, yeah, and this one, I'm wondering why they're doing it again because they did it fine last time. Yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm just guessing that they just think they can do it better. Maybe. I'm just glad it's a DC film that's not about Batman for once. Yes. Does make a welcome change, doesn't it? Because <laughs> there's, I don't know, it feels like there's a Batman animated film out every other week. As brilliant as a character of Batman is, in the, like, just, it's nice to have a little variation every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it'll be good. Uh, in terms of a, a pure design aesthetic point of view, I don't really like the new 52 style costumes. You know, the Superman without trunks just feels wrong to me. <laughs> but. <laughs> Other than that, I think it'll look. Yeah, the animation looks pretty cool. Uh, the, the fight sequence will probably be pretty epic, and Doomsday will not look like a cave troll, which which is always good. <laughs> Can't wait. Right. I should, but I forgot to check, which doesn't look very professional. That's off. That's fine. Unprofessional is our livelihood. Uh, it'll be in the show notes if you want to know when it's out. Read the show notes. So that's that. 
Chris, what would you like to kneel before? Can you guess? Can you guess what Chris is going to kneel before? If you've been listening to the previous podcast, you're going to know exactly what Chris is going to kneel before. Uh, the renewal of the expanse. Hooray! Finally, it's happened. It's been confirmed. Woo! Finally, so, it took two weeks. Finally, I know. But it feels like it's been a lot longer. I've been sitting here worrying and worrying and worrying and thinking, we could do sort of maybe three, four less episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and you could renew part of the expanse. How about that? So... <laughs> I'm just very happy it's all been renewed and I'm sure Kat of this podcast is still dancing I don't think she's stopped since it's been announced so uh, yeah, definitely very happy Kat, well-known dancer yeah. Yes, of course I've, I've seen her dance at Kayleigh's <laughs> I've seen her at a Kayleigh but I don't know if I saw her dancing That's true, but I think it was her partner that was letting her down Yeah, perhaps uh, who, Whoever that was Um Yes, that's good news for, for people that like The Expanse, the fact it's been renewed. Picked up by Amazon, is that right? Yes, yes. yes. Picked up by Amazon. So that's good. Uh, what that'll mean for people that watch it on Netflix, who knows? But um, it might be an Amazon in the US, Netflix everywhere else sort of deal. Or maybe Amazon will just get it and they'll just shove it on as they as they would. I guess all that's still to be ironed out. Yeah, I think... Year to think about it. I think it depends on all the deals that have been signed with Netflix and whether the production company can get out of that or not, or potentially Amazon have bought Netflix out of some of the distribution. I don't know. Yeah, like you say, it'll all be discovered within the year. Yeah. And I am kneeling before the fact that Lucifer has two episodes that I didn't expect. Hey! Uh, hey! Yeah, um, there are two bonus episodes that they apparently filmed to be used in season four, which is hilarious. Um, and hilarious in the really not hilarious sense but they are airing tonight uh, as we record this so the 28th of May uh, which means as a reviewer since I already have we'd have three things on a Tuesday anyway that gives me this fourth thing which is impossible because I just can't do four things on one day it's just not it's not doable so for those that don't in fact, they'll, they'll be published by then. But I'll do one on Tuesday and one on the Wednesday, and then that'll be it. But two episodes of Lucifer left. I think one of them is a Ella episode, which is, you know, I like Ella, she's good. The second episode is a what if kind of alternate universe thing, and it has Neil Gaiman as the voice of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's actually literally the only thing I've actually heard about any of it. And for me, that's enough, actually. Yeah, I'll see it. You know, that's. That's fine. Uh, I'm excited about that. I don't have to say goodbye to the show quite yet, just very soon. And apparently there are talks about another season. But honestly, I don't think it'll see the light of day, to be honest. Yeah, yeah but there, there, there's always talk of talks, though. Yeah, yeah, but. I mean, because especially nowadays when when, when the instant something gets cancelled, everyone everyone calls for it to get, to get picked up by Netflix. Yeah, that, there's all that kind of stuff, and the hashtag save Lucifer and hashtag pick up Lucifer, and it makes it makes it look like there's some rampant Satanism going on on Twitter, which makes me laugh. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there are some people out there who genuinely think that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, Lucifer solving solving crimes. Yeah, it's nothing to do with well, it's the biblical Lucifer, but it's nothing to do with religious stuff. Unless, well. It's following a TV show like a religion. Possibly. Depends on the TV show. Yeah, well, I think if you're talking uh, supernatural and teenage girls, then yes, yes it is. Or like Star Trek and me. That's another one. Yeah. 
that's more of a religion than any religion could ever be. So, yeah. so that's good. More Lucifer. The last of Lucifer. So drink it in, enjoy it, and be prepared for it never to come back. Because not all of us are as lucky as Chris and Cat with the Expanse, are we? Yeah, you're just jealous. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the whole point of what you're saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm very jealous. It's it's a distressing time for me. You just need to get into the expanse, and then you'll feel happier for us. It's on the list, but like, there's so much out there. So much. I mean, now with Lucifer, there's one less, but you know. There you go. So See, look on the bright side. You've now got room for the expanse. <laughs> uh, yeah, I might watch it this summer. Who knows? Yeah, it, it is pretty spectacular. So I hear, but. We'll see. We'll see how the summer goes. Uh, okay. So, Andrew, do you want to lead us in with Rise Against? What are you rising against? Well, for my Rise Against, I'm I'm going to be a little vague because the the thing I'm rising against um, is in reaction to like to a to a particular trope which you often see in action films, and which was very recently featured in in, in a film st- uh, still on general release, which some people may not have seen yet and would not appreciate me spoiling it. Yeah, but the, the particular thing I want so I wanted to mention um, is a trope referred to as women in refrigerators, which, uh, which if you're unaware, refers to um, the, the female love interest of a male character uh, being unceremoniously and often violently killed for for the uh, basically for the purpose of inducing man pain in 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 the hero and her death basically having nothing to do with her at all and as I mentioned this is a thing that you see endlessly repeated through, throughout action movies and it has al- always made me angry because just because it's so unimaginative and also more than a little misogynistic as well and I just genuinely believe that if that's the the only thing you that you can think of to motivate your hero to get up and, and start doing all the killing you want him to do then you should have a long and hard look at your own imagination yeah I agree um, yeah you see it all the time it's such a it's such a cliche motivation it's up there with revenge you know because they're easy motivations to do I want to kill this guy because she, Killed this person that's close to me, or yeah. So it, revenge comes into that, I suppose, actually, because it is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's lazy. Um, it's done too often, and it wouldn't be the only recent release, I would imagine, that would include that specific trope. It wouldn't be the last either. Whatever this. Mis- Sadly, no. It is something that you kind of see too often, especially once you're made aware of it. Is a thing you start sort of thinking back films in your head you're like yeah it's always the girlfriend or the wife or the daughter that sort of gets kidnapped or uh, tortured or killed to cause the motivation and yeah it is something that I think you see a bit too often and it'd be interesting to see stuff done a little bit differently It's interesting you talk about the whole once it's pointed out to you, I remember the first time well I don't remember this specific first time but I remember how it coloured my viewing after people pointed out the Bechdel test to me you know, the fact yeah. that you can, in a given scene, you can have two female characters in a scene not talking about a man. And how many things fail that? It, it's ridiculous. You know, and the sh- a show that we're not going to be talking about today, but uh, Supergirl passes it routinely. Uh, Buffy used to pass it routinely as well. You know, the the women in those shows, or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we talked about recently, 
that mm. um, you know that that would frequently have scenes where women have other things to talk about, and it's it's so weird how how few things still pass that test, even with female central character. Well, I have always been faintly amused by the origin of that, which was uh, which was actually in web, a web comic. Uh, which I think was called uh, Dykes to Watch Out For, and, and and like the creator of that is is a woman named Alison Bechdel, like hence hence the name of it. Yeah. And when when the two characters were were discussing this in the comic, the the, the example of a film that passes it, she comes up with is Alien. As so it points out, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, but it does have two women in it who talk talk about something other than man. They talk about the alien, <laughs> which may or may not be a man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I think given the given the xenomorphs' uh, reproductive uh, method and, and life cycle, I think I think biological gender uh, that doesn't apply to it. Yeah. I think we're, what we're saying is we'll let you check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's all right. I think I'll stay away from xenomorphs. Yeah, that, that was a really good one. Um, yeah, it really sucks. I think representation is getting better in things in general, but you still you still get these kind of lazy things, as you say, in action films, where I suppose a lot of people see them as a bit of disposable fluff anyway, so, you know, you killed my whatever, you know, but uh, can't all be John Wick who's avenging his dog. That was a slight, a slight twist on the genre, I suppose, a slight twist on the trope. Yeah, I absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, purely on on account of it only being in in the last few years that I've that I'd uh, ever actually had a dog, and and prior to prior to that, I never would have understood that properly. The thing is, they're having a a friendly and playful boxer named Igor for numerous years. I yes, I do know that if anybody ever hurt him, I would cut them new orifices. <laughs> That was quite a violent admission for the first time on the podcast. <laughs> uh, nobody hurt Andrew's dog because that's what happens apparently. Confessions of a of a dog owner. Chris, what are you rising against? Okay, here's a random one for a rise against. I've had quite a serious one from Andrew, but still one that narks me quite a lot. And I was thinking about it the other night as I sat in my cinema seat. Which is adverts for the cinema when I am sitting in a cinema. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I've paid my £12 whatever to sit in a cinema seat. And then I watch 15 minutes of adverts, uh, which are normally dedicated, or 15 minutes worth of the adverts are dedicated to telling me that I should go to the cinema. And I can't stand the fact that I'm sitting there watching something advertising the thing I am already doing. It's like when you see adverts on websites going, you should try out this. And I'm like, I already am, but I can't tell you that. Whereas the cinema knows that I have paid to be in the cinema. I'm seeing it. So you can advertise something else. They better, you know, they'd be better using that time going, fresh air? Have you been outside recently? (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't be in here so often. Are you tired of seeing this? Yeah, that means you need to go outside right now. Get some sunlight. (laughs) Yeah, that would be better for the cinema. Yeah, it's super annoying. It's all specifically in IMAX as well. Certainly in the IMAX here, you get two adverts for IMAX when you're already in an IMAX screen. Two. (laughs) Two bloody adverts for IMAX. Or when they're trying to tell me to use 4DX when I will never, ever use that again. See, I've still not used it yet. You have to use it once, otherwise you can't complain about it. (laughs) All right, okay. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's gonna be my my plan. Yes, yes. I mean, in I will I will go I will go once for the experience. So then, any any opinions I have on the concept are immediately validated. That's a good one. Yeah. Th- therefore, you can hate it with conviction because the, you are you're righteous because you've been through it. You can't just dislike something that you might not like. Yes, and, and also you can better articulate why you hate it as well. Indeed. Yeah. Advertising narks me in the cinema in general because it adds half an hour to every experience of the cinema. I'm not one of those people that likes to saunter in 25 minutes late because then you have the anxiety of someone like me in my seat or I need to fight past people to get to my seat and all that. So I'm generally there while the adverts are on and it's the half an hour. You know, that's... That turns a two-and-a-half-hour film into a three-hour film in the case of Infinity War, or it turns a three-hour film into a three-and-a-half-hour film in the case of The Hobbit. So, yeah, stop it. Cut it down. Especially when it's adverts for yourself. Yes. That's, that's the bit you could cut down. I understand the need to take the page for commercials in order to keep more of our screens open, and we're all for proper cinema. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, the fact that you're spending most of that time advertising the fact that you can come to the cinema to watch film. We don't yes. need that. Totally sucks. Go back to advertising <laughs> the fact that you've got popcorn in the foyer. Because <laughs> we didn't notice that on the way past. Yeah. <laughs> the film's about to begin. Why don't you leave and come back in a minute? <laughs> <laughs> We're totally not hinting that you've got enough time to leave, but ooh, there's probably about 15 minutes that you could spend queuing for popcorn. Yeah. Come back and you won't have missed a thing, we promise. <laughs> don't worry. Our staff are really slow, so <laughs> guaranteed it'll take at least 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. That is an annoying one. Good one to rise against. I think a lot of our listeners will feel that pain. I am rising against the fact that the Boba Fett movie is A, happening, and now has a director. And <laughs> why is this happening? I mean, are we just going to get spin-off Star Wars stories for every bloody thing? You know, the the droid that blows up before Owen picks R2-D2? You know, is that getting its own film next? Might as well. Oh, uh, please. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Boba Fett to me is a really uninteresting character. I know a lot of fans of Star Wars really like him because of expanded universe stuff, or just because they think he looks cool. But just because I think he might, well, his costume is quite distinctive. I don't think there's a film there. I don't need a film. I know he's already a stupid clone of his dad that ages normally. Do we need this? Do we need this? What is happening to Star Wars? Why are we getting all this? <laughs> Uh, because Disney paid $4 billion for it and they're determined to get their money's worth. Well, they've, they've made all that money back and then some. I think they could. I think these anthology films are a good idea, but I also think that they should be giving us something else. Well, you something have got. More you know, they have commissioned Ryan Johnson to sort of do his little standalone trilogy, which is off doing something different. I suspect as it's been be bracketed. The next trilogy after the main trilogy wraps up, though. Like. Mm. Um, yeah, but it is going to be with different characters and set somewhere different, and we don't yeah. know what time frame it's going to be in or anything like that. So they are promising to give us something new, but I do agree with you that do we need an origin story for absolutely every character? Um, that being said, though, I I didn't mind uh, Solo uh, when I saw it recently. I thought it was all right as a film. I don't think it was the best Star Wars film I've ever seen. I don't think it's the worst Star Wars film I've ever seen. I quite liked it in a way. But I do have this feeling that they're kind of looking back in the old films and going, oh, 
you think we could get a solo story out of that character? You think we could get a little a little standalone flick out of that one? You know. So I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of for and against at the same time. Cantina band, the movie. It's going to be like <laughs> just for the Cantina band. And it turns out they're not called the Cantina band because they don't just play in cantinas. They're called like something. I don't know. No, you've got to find the origin of them becoming a cantina band. They started as a stadium rock act and then they migrated to cantinas when they found their true voice. Yeah, or just just went, became really unsuccessful and that's where they could get gigs. <laughs> I don't know. But we don't need this stuff. You know, that's it's starting to get to holiday special type levels of silliness now with side characters getting those two. And, I mean, I don't... I'm really hoping we don't get a Chewbacca solo movie because I couldn't take two hours of just growling. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen the holiday special, there's about half an hour of Wookiees growling at each other. It's dreadful. If you, if you haven't seen the holiday special, don't. Yeah, just don't watch it. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. So that's that. I'm against pointless Star Wars movies. and uh, Solo, I thought was okay at the time. But the more distance I get from it, and this is only a few days, the more forgettable it is, the more of it just leaves me. There's nothing about it that just stands out for me. Um, there might be a podcast on that. Don't know. Maybe next week we'll we'll discuss it in more detail. But I may have to watch it again so I remember some detail. You know, yeah, I do want to see it a second time just to sort of look at stuff in more detail because you're still... You know, you sort of get carried away with films when you see them the first time round. I think the second time you can have a more analytical look. Yeah. And when you have uh, monthly subscriptions to cinemas, it's a lot easier. Today's podcast was brought to you by monthly <laughs> subscriptions to cinema. Yes, have you got your unlimited card yet? Or, or any other card from any other cinema? None of these people are sponsoring us, so we're not... Yeah, none, none of them are paid. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Donuts 24-7 is our subscription <laughs> service, which is now available. <laughs> donuts 24-7. Visit neilbeforeblog.co.uk forward slash donuts. <laughs> and that won't take you anywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll go into the abyss. Yeah, it'll just take you to the homepage, probably, I think. All right, okay. I'll try Fair it later, enough. see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Please, right. please just make it a picture of some donuts. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just create a page. <laughs> okay, so feature over. Some good discussion points there, people. Well done. Uh, we've justified ourselves keeping it going once again. Now on to the main event. We're here to talk about The Flash Season 4, which has thankfully recently finished. I suppose that's fitting as my spoiler-free thought. Thank God it's finished. That was... Possibly more of a slog than last season for me. I thought it was tired and boring and really frustrating at points and just not good television. What happened? This is a question I ask frequently when it comes to The Flash. What happened? I think it was writers abandoning ship, but I don't know. I would need to actually look back at the writers of different episodes and see when writers shifted, if they did. Um, because it just seems tonally some bits have changed and they've sort of driven themselves down a bit of a cul-de-sac and they're trying to navigate their way out but they keep sort of crashing into houses on their way along the street I, I just can't I can't work out really I mean there are some bits in there that you go oh that was good but it's so outweighed by some of the other stuff that you kind of end up sitting there thinking what, what have they done yeah there's the odd accidental good episode and then it just goes back to normal shortly afterwards 
Yeah, well, I think part of it was the, um, the attempt like to do something a little, a little bit different, but not actually thinking it through before they started. And then they ended up having to make it up as they went along, which just made it increasingly worse and tedious and getting to the point where I actively resented having to sit down and watch it just so I could get through the thing. Those that ask, if you don't like this show, why don't why do you watch it? The reason for me is it's set in the same universe as other shows I like and I'll feel like I'm missing something if I don't. A completionist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we need we need an hour twenties worth of content at least once a year. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's things that. we do to bring you conversations yeah. about things that we don't like. Yeah. You wouldn't yes. be able to listen to this otherwise, aren't you grateful now? Yes, a begrudged sense of obligation and the desire to have enough enough information to articulate exactly everything that is wrong with it. It's the four DX. Thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got to watch it enable, to enable you to slag it off and for your views to be valid. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So is that as done with our spoiler-free thoughts? Do we want to just go into the spoiler force and just lay into this thing? Yeah, spoiler force away. How about it? Yeah, we're safe. Okay, we're either in or out of the spoiler force. Don't know, like I don't think anybody else knows or or even cares. But are we in our own about... pocket dimension? Is that where we are? <coughs> I don't know. We're somewhere. Yeah, I guess one of one of apparently many pocket pocket dimensions, <laughs> which I yeah. which wasn't ever mentioned previously. Yeah, all these pocket dimensions. So there's all sorts of um, stuff going on. The mid season was when we last talked about this. We talked a bit about everything leading up to the mid season. So. We started off with the trial. Uh, Barry was on trial, much like Oliver was on trial much later in his own season. And uh, the trial itself was... Well, I've almost forgotten it. Uh, but there was stuff that went on, stuff that was said. They called Barry's character into question because he's never around. Um, despite the fact that he could have easily gotten out of this whole thing by just moving the body. Because he knows he didn't kill DeVoe and trying to prove it otherwise seemed pointless. trial yeah. itself, I don't know uh, it was alright in parts yeah well, well, well I, I generally find trial episodes in TV shows uh, just to be, to, just to, to be, to be a, a little frustrating uh, just, just, just because it, does, it doesn't, it seems like it doesn't matter um, like what evidence is is given by by either side? Um, there's a there's a, pre, a, pre, a predetermined verdict, and it becomes abundantly clear very very quickly exactly which way it's going to go, and then afterwards it just it just becomes a matter of waiting to get there. Yeah, I think. I mean, not to talk about Idol too much, but I think they they did it well with kind of the curveballs they kept throwing at the audience until the end. Uh, but yeah, this it just felt like a bit was a bit of a foregone conclusion. It did, you know, it did feel inevitable that Barry would wind up in prison because sometimes it's fun to see the worst possible eventuality, and then you know you have Team Flash operating without Flash for a little while, even though you know he's so fast he could come and go before anyone notices he's gone. But 
Let's get into that later. Yes. I don't know, you got to see Cecile do something other than stand around, which was useful. Because uh, that's a lot of what she does. But uh, And actually getting to see her do her own job, do what the characters created to do, that was, that was good. Yeah well, yeah, well, I think with Cecile, there was... Uh, the, there, there was the risk of her just uh, turning into a, a, another Wally, like of, of a character that they they, they they introduced, and they thought it'd be, be a really a really good idea having them there, but only afterwards did they realise they didn't actually know what to what to do with her. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we've got two episodes worth of story, and then we've got nothing else that we can give them after that. Yeah, and is there not some form of conflict of interest with her representing Barry, given that she's his surrogate dad's? Girlfriend. Yeah, I did. I did think that, but then I dismissed it. Um, like so many other things, I have throughout this series. Uh, I just stopped. I just stopped caring. <laughs> stopped caring. Yeah. It is one of those things that when TV shows try and do trials, it's like unless they are programs that were set up to do trials and lawyers and all that sort of stuff. It just doesn't work because they've not got the right writers that actually know the system in and out. So they just throw around bits of legal terminology that they've looked up and a couple of people shouting objection every once in a while. (laughs) And then they go, there you go, trial. And like you say, of course there's a predetermined outcome to it. So they've got to write around going, well, of course they don't object at this point. And, oh, let's just say that bit's crooked. And, yeah, that bit of flimsy evidence comes in. And the jury says uh, what we want them to say because that's the way it works. You know, so it's... Yeah, it's it's never particularly pleasing when they do it, and there's very few that are written well. Like you said, Craig Arrow did it slightly differently. I still had issues with the the one in Arrow, but this one was yeah very well. You know where this is going. Yeah, well, I think what was what was interesting about the Arrow trial was the fact that Oliver actually was guilty of what he was of, of what he's being charged with, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which actually makes quite a difference in these things. Yeah, it was in Arrow, everyone, as we said on the previous podcast, everyone was lying under oath. In <laughs> The Flash, there was some honesty there. I mean, there was um, there was some avoiding of the subject of, where does Barry go when he's not at work? You know, and things like that. But uh, I'm surprised that no one mentions all the stuff he seems to own, thanks to Harrison Wells, uh, any of that. Um, I don't know, it's just one of those things that's just sits in the background is never addressed. Um, presumably he's paying Cisco and Caitlin a salary out of the money that he's inherited but he still wants to work <laughs> as a CSI and make probably far less money than he cares about at this point I don't know well then they would need to change the opening titles it would be really expensive <laughs> so just just keep it and in all these years he's never fixed the roof <laughs> still, it's still shot to hell Hey. Uh, the trial did lead to him being in prison for a few episodes, which I have mixed feelings on. I quite liked that he got given his dad's cell and he saw his dad's roof scrawling on the wall and, and the fact he made a friend inside who he just took to China, which was weird, uh, considering the whole point of it being in there was I'm not circumventing the system that I run around at night trying to uphold, but I'm just going to let this guy out of prison, even though he is, well, he is innocent apparently, but... I'm innocent too, and I'm in here. So that was strange. I didn't understand that choice at all. Yeah, well, I I don't think there was uh, much more to understand about it. It might have been him uh, 
getting this guy out of prison like, as a sort way of saving his dad. Because this guy was in prison, the, the closest connection that he still has to his father. And after, after finding funny, I found this guy well, um, was, wrong, was, was, was wrongfully imprisoned, then doing right by him would... Uh, um, it was a way of like uh, making him feel like like his father would, would have been proud of him. But if that actually were the were the case, it's not something which was actually expressed in any way. No. Yeah, yeah. That's just, that's just like my sort of headcanon thing Only about existed it. To get him caught on camera, so that the next part of the plot could happen. Yes, that that makes more sense. Yeah, that camera that he should have been faster than. Yeah, because you know, seeing as he can apparently run to the run to the other side of the planet and, and back again in, in a space of two and a half seconds. The prison arc did throw out some problems, such as we have to see a lot more of Ralph learning identical lessons every week, every single week. He just learns, oh, I should be more heroic and I should trust people more, and. At the end of every week, he's learned this lesson, and then he dis- and then at the start of the next week, he's he's learning it all over again. And you got to see that in force while he was, while Barry was in prison. Okay, I'm probably uh, going against the party line here, but I actually quite liked Ralph. Oh my god! <laughs> we found the one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's just because I I found him like to to be um to be quite a uh, well a welcome contrast like to to the rest of Team Flash uh, because he he thinks and acts like in a way different like from from the rest of the team it gives a bit more variety in reactions to various situations though I though I will concede the the the, the repetition of his character development or lack thereof uh, was an, a bit of an issue. Um, yeah, but I, but yeah, but I, I, I still actually in, in enjoyed his presence, uh, perhaps more than I was supposed to. Well, no, I think you were supposed to like him. I think uh, it had the opposite effect on me and uh, Chris, as he suggested. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't a huge Dibney fan. I've got to be honest. There was a lot of, I could see that. He was written as a bit of a comic relief in comparison to everything else that was going on. Maybe as like a an answer to the darkness that had happened in the last season. They're like, well, we need to brighten up the darkness. Uh, so when the characters are having dark moments and things, we'll have this little bit of comic relief character. He can be a bit, you know, a bit off. He can be stealing stuff in the background and uh, riffing on people and making jokes and doing all that. Meanwhile, I was like, oh, he's just an annoying distraction in the background and that. That's what he ended up being to me, and the fact that he has managed to survive into another season uh, <laughs> disappoints me greatly. Um, but you know what? If if you liked him, that's 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 for you. And you know, maybe maybe he'll be better written in the next bit because he did get a bit of development, and he did wear off a little bit in the end. You know, they did get rid of some of the edges that I was a bit fed up, like Craig said it's it's the same lessons coming out week after week after week, though it did seem that it was written that he would only swap round in the episode where he suddenly gets devoured devoured, whatever we want to call that (laughs) zooped by the machine Um, so, yeah I'm not I'm not too sure, to be honest there's one one particular um, moment I really liked was him. I think it was when, when Barry was on trial or around that uh, around that general time was uh, when uh, when Joe is uh, th- was thinking about planting evidence in 
um, in 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 the, in the both house, and yeah, and, and and Ralph Ralph basically explaining to him was like, okay, you do this. This is what is going to happen to you, because with it being essentially exactly what happened to him, yeah. because because that that was how he started out by mm. by doing something bad that he thought was the right thing, and as a result of that, just uh, gave up on trying to do the right thing, even even if it was in the wrong way. Yeah, um, stuff like that was good, and I liked that there was little nuggets of that, and there would be occasional scenes where I would be like, oh yeah, Ralph's quite a thoughtful guy, I can I can sort of relate to, well not relate to him, but I can understand where he's coming from in this, in, in this moment. And then the next scene he'd be back to, you know, referring to Caitlin by her measurements, for example, and, oh god, you know, I get the whole... We want a, we want someone in who can mix things up, who's a bit different to the rest of the team. I get that on a conceptual level, but I think the execution was was off because they just went too far the other way. Um, he's like a more annoying Ray Palmer, basically, <laughs> you know. And I don't think it's a reflection on the actor who's playing him because I think Hartley Sawyer is a really talented guy, and and you could sort of see what they were trying to do with him. And in theory, every week he's supposed to learn something else about heroics. And then he, they build on that the next week. But the writers just aren't clever enough and they just kept doing the whole, as I said, the same lesson week on week on week on week until he died. Uh, and the episode he dies is the only one where he seems to learn anything that, that might stick. But the only reason it might stick is because you don't see him again until the last episode. Sorry, Dudley. <laughs> uh, I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that annoys me about that is they had a sidekick character that would have been ideally placed to be learning what it's like to be without Barry. And his name was Wally West. And he was in the show this season. He'd left at this point, though, I think. Yes. Yeah. Which... Though though I don't think they actually bothered explaining what happened to him until he turned up in that episode of Legends. Yeah. He's just off in China or something. They would occasionally mention, where's Wally? And they'd be like, I don't know. Or, he's away here. Just basically, he's not here, but... There's certain points where it's like, this is where you need Wally to be around. You know, and... Imagine... I mean, episodes like where Barry's in prison are a gift for a character like that who has to take what he's learned and apply it to the... You know, to working in the field by himself. But the problem with that is... You shouldn't have Ralph out there anyway, doing doing all the work. And the fact that he's point man for the team is ridiculous because you have Cisco, you know, who can open breaches under people's feet and knock them into prison. So, where's the problem? Very true. I mean, you do think that what that character stole in a way is what would have been a gain to maybe Cisco or even Caitlin, um, with. Ralph being the sort of backing to one of them um, and then they use it as almost a, a builder for Iris as well yeah, her as the boss it didn't, it didn't fit for me either it's, it's another one of those, as Andrew says oh, we've got this character, what do we do with her so she sits there barking orders at people in the, um, in the control room or the cortex, I think it's called and that's about it. There was the po- point where Ralph accused her of like doing nothing, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> and then she went out in the field and almost got herself killed. But good job. <laughs> she does. She does get the the episode where she has Barry's powers for a day, though. 
Yeah. That was actually an okay episode, because it, it did address the whole I feel useless on this team sometime problem. Well, I think that uh, considering that she spent uh, pretty much the entire series from day one uh, trying, to, trying, to, trying to boss every, everyone around, then at some point the writers just decided like, to, like, to, to just to just dump her in, in, in the control room, so so they may, may as well may as well have her do it in for, for for the actual team. Yeah, but I don't get what gives her the authority to control the team, you know, to lead the team. And you had the episode where it was uh, Ralph and Cisco were at each other's throats basically because they were frustrated because they didn't know what to do with because Barry wasn't around. And it's like, this isn't Cisco. Cisco is a man of action. He knows what he's doing. You know, he's been doing it long enough. Why is he suddenly having issues? It's like, oh wait, because the writers need to have Iris do something important. You know, it's they they just constantly forget what these characters are supposed to be in order to further whatever plot they want to tell. And it's it's really tiresome. Or is it Cisco and Harry that are sniping each other? Cisco and someone are sniping each other. No, I think you're right. I think it's a kind of a bit of they're all sniping. But like you say, it's this team which normally manages to survive without Barry for a couple of episodes, or should be able to survive without Barry for a couple of episodes, that just suddenly falls to pieces. And you're like, well, you're sort of... Up until this point, there have been well-defined characters that can run off and do stuff on their own. You know, how often Cisco sort of run off to his lab to work on something to solve a problem. And then sort of pops up with it at the convenient moment later. It's like these yeah. are people that can sort of run off and handle themselves, or work together, or ask for help. But it is one of those. Well, we need this conveniently to be dysfunctional so that the villain can get away with murder. You know. Yeah, it's kind of it's just, it's just weak storytelling because you you have a group of characters and what the, the writers I suppose go into an episode thinking is by the end of this episode we want Iris to be in charge of the team in a way that helps them work better as a team and in order to do that they have to just ignore everything they've established about the, everyone who's around um, I think it was Harry that gave her the pep talk about you know here's how you should lead the team um, but yeah this is all stuff that a, she should know, and B, Harry shouldn't really care about, and everyone else should know it too. So, I always feel like Cisco's their kind of de facto team leader when Barry's not around, or he should be. Definitely, in the way the dynamics written at the moment, it should be Cisco. Um, I think for it to be something different, you know, maybe Caitlin, but. Yeah, Cisco seems to come across as the de facto sort of uh, substitute teacher, for want of a better word. Yeah. Well, when you talk about the, the Iris Gains Powers episode, I actually quite like that as an episode, because uh, I don't think that Iris is a bad character, and I think she gets a bad rap from a lot of fans because of... Well, basically because of how she's written most of the time. So, I mean, I was giving her a hard time in first season one, you know, when she mm. had that kind of princess complex. And she still kind of has that to a degree, but she's also a bit more selfless than she used to be. So I think that episode kind of shows that um, that level of empathy that, that she does have. Like, she wants to comfort Barry, who's lost his powers, and she's got them. And obviously, they, no one's under any illusions about how temporary it's going to be, because it's not like, we could be like this for the rest of our lives. It's like, no, we just have to find this guy, and then he can, you know, fix it. But 
until then what you've got is you've got an inexperienced speedster and then you've got Barry who's an experienced speedster but is unable to teach that and I feel like that's a consistent theme with him as well like anytime he has to teach someone how to do something he's really rubbish at it yeah the sort of uh, teaching uh, Caitlin and uh, Cisco how to work in the speed force is a good sort of episode of that how to yeah. use their speed and he just he, he just gets frustrated on try number one and then that's it <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Oh, I think that has has pretty much pretty much defined Barry for this this entire season we're just where I where either every every decision he makes is wrong yeah or or whenever whenever he tries tries to do something which, um which would have some bit some benefit in 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 long run he just he just gives up before he's barely even tried there's there's a lot of those sort of poor decisions and i don't know if it's because we've got the benefit of seeing other bits of the the machine in action but when you look at stuff like barry being found with a dead body in his apartment you're sitting there going use the speed force get the body out your apartment be standing there don't get me wrong I'm sure if he had done that, the plot would have said, well, DeVoe's thought of that and done a dot, dot, dot to still frame Barry. But you're still thinking, well, surely he would. Or is it just sort of his naivety that the system's totally not crooked and it's totally not going... To, I'm not going to be found guilty because there'll be no evidence that's going to tie me to this. You know, there's a lot of decisions like that where you're sitting going, there's a way around this. Also, the way they introduce other options that he could have had this whole new sort of speed force thing that he can do where he can slow time down to nothing almost is is a, like a power level that is just unbelievably insane but that was like a, like a complete game breaking kind yeah. of power it breaks the show it does completely it, it's it's one of those bits that it's like even if you go okay well he had to think on his feet in this particular moment in my head, I'm now going, well, he can totally now just pause time, go for a walk, have a bit of lunch, uh, write down some notes, take a couple of people out for a consultation session, go to therapy, go back and solve the situation. He's just got all the time in the world now. So there's no, like, oh, he's rushing too fast to save this person or stop this bullet or choose who's going to live and who's going to die. He's got all the time in the world. Well, I mean, it struck me throughout. I, I think I mentioned in my reviews, like, here's why Barry shouldn't have had any problems with this metahuman. Because ABC, you know, because he could just do this and then fix it within, within, before they even knew what had happened. So, but one point where it really struck me was when he was grieving over Ralph's death. So, you know, he was out of sorts that week, and rightly so, because someone had died under his watch. Fair enough. And you had the bit where Leo... You know, always a welcome addition. One of my favourite mm-hmm. episodes of the season, just because Leo snorts in it, uh, comes up to him and says, "You need time to process this." And he says, "You don't have any. T- we don't have any time." And he's like, "Make time." And it's like, "Freeze time. Have a think." You know, just like, could it be? I mean, could you imagine how it'd be like? Yeah, we're all really upset about this. And it's like, yeah, I froze time earlier. I'm now fine. I've spent weeks <laughs> thinking about this. I'm all right. <laughs> I've processed it. You know, like, and then. Um, it's almost like that Family Guy episode where Brian gets the 
super speed and he's like, I'm going to go to China to check if they've cured it. And he comes back, he's like, they haven't. And, you know, it could be as quick as that for other people. I would almost like to see that where it's, okay, I'm going to go do this. And he comes back and it's like, I think we're going to do this. It's like, no, I've been. It was was a dead end. You know, but um, I think the the whole process and his grief thing, he could have, like, that would have been quite cool, actually, if maybe the episode had opened with him just sitting in flash time while everyone around him was just completely frozen as he's, like, running around and... And, and don't know, doing something to figure out his his emotional issues, and they could have used it in clever ways like that. But ultimately, it was just this. It was a great episode, probably one of the best they've ever done. But it's it broke the show completely. Now there's no excuse for Barry having problems with anything ever again. I did, I did like the episode where it was introduced, the sort of ticking clock aspect of we've got to solve this bomb and we can only pull people in for a certain amount of time. And once you've used them once, that's it. You can't use them again. Yeah. I did like that aspect. It's just, it's one of these power creep things that I've mentioned on other podcasts. I think about Flash again and other shows (laughs) where it's like once you increase the power level of your your hero to a certain point, you've got to go, whoa, 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 but he's now got no problems. It's like, what what do we throw against them now? And without sort of retconning and doing, uh, oh, yeah, I've, I've used that too much and now my brain can't handle it for long enough until we need to use that again to get us out of predicament is, you know, is a bit annoying. And then because it's one of these things that you go, OK, you've, you've got multiple speedsters that you can call on already, which is quite a power creep. You've got different dimensions of people. You can go to Supergirl if you want. It's There's so many options out there now that it makes it difficult for them to come up with a credible villain and then once they come up with a credible villain it makes it very difficult for them to then dismantle them to the point where they're defeatable because yeah. you've you've got to build your villain up to be more powerful than your hero and if your hero is already able to freeze time and just you know walk about unin- uninhibited for a whole episode, then it makes it almost impossible. Definitely, yeah. Flash time is mm. is is just too much. It just can't be countered. And um, at least in the first episode, it was introduced. You had this whole, all right. I can only I can only talk to people when I touch them, and then even then, it's only for a few seconds before they just get worn out. And then you had that the penultimate episode of the season, where it's like, oh yeah. Uh, speed force aura and all this nonsense uh, now I don't even have to touch you, you know, I just have to touch you and then you can I can let you go and you can cut about at this speed for apparently a near infinite amount of time relatively speaking so they removed the limitation it had right away which it's like, why aren't you just using this all the time now um, and that's, that's that bit where you were talking about where they tried it once and it didn't work and Barry went on a strop yes. yeah <laughs> But, it, uh, but at that point, if they'd went, oh, this doesn't work, I'd have been like, thank God for that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, it doesn't work. Great, you tried it and you've just written that one off. Thank God, because in future yeah. episodes, I now know that's not on the cards. However, now you're like, oh, you can just zip everyone into flash time. Problem solved. Okay, end of episode. Credit roll. You know, yeah. it's going to be several five-minute episodes yeah. uh, that are coming up because there's not going to be much to do. It's, it's all going to be fixed. Although the, the flash time episode was... Like I said, one of the best. That's 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 the annoying thing. As much as I want to to completely diss it, it's like the episode where they introduced it was quite neat. The problem is that now that it's introduced, it's very hard to put that back in the box. 
without going, oh, it was due to his proximity to the bomb or something like that. Yeah, and that's part of what's frustrating about it. It's just because it, it, it would have been so straightforward like to have come up to come up with, with a plausible reason why, why he couldn't use it every single time. But they just haven't bothered. Just and doesn't. Mm. It, is the, it is when you see the sort of bullets flying past them kind of thing and you're going, well, you can, you can move those bullets or you can get that person out the way of those bullets, but it doesn't happen. The person still gets shot in the arm and you're going, oh, come yeah. on. It's like, it, yeah, there's little bits like that that annoy me and I suppose it's a problem that they've written themselves into and it's very difficult for them to write their way out of it without sort of having to go, okay, Barry's losing his speed for some reason, which is an episode that we've definitely seen before. You know, but something to bring the power level back down might be in order, I think. Yeah, well, they followed that episode up with the Iris Gets Powers episode, which was good, because they avoided the problem for one week, because mm. it's conceivable that Iris can't go that fast, because she just doesn't know what's involved in, in doing it. And... I'll, they had a bit of a limitation once again in the, in the episode itself because you had you had Barry getting more and more exhausted as the episode went on, but still, relatively speaking, I mean the, the whole episode technically takes place over fractions of a second, pretty much. But from Barry's perspective, it, it's a while. You know, it's at least forty-two minutes or something. You know, like as far as he's concerned. Mm. So it's not as if I become really tired really quickly when using flash time. It's like. I've become really tired, kind of, over a short period of time, but still plenty of time to do stuff. Yeah, and it, I mean, granted, they write in there that it's just something that he's learned recently, or something that he's been practicing and he's got good at, and fair enough. It's just, it's a bit too of a power creep for me. I think it's just pushing it a bit, and. What? Like I say, it's it's a dangerous thing to have sitting about now in the toolbox. Well, Jesse's also that fast, and so yes. is Jay. Even though it takes a toll on him much quicker because he's older, it's just a problem. They may have delivered one of the best episodes they've ever delivered, but it's still a problem. Like I say, if they, if they could have written it that okay, we've introduced this, it only worked because of his proximity to the radiation of the bomb about to go off, and that's given him like an extra speed force boost write some sciencey mumbo jumbo that someone throws at a board later on to say oh that's the only reason he was able to do it at this particular time and we can't replicate it easily using a thingamajig what do you call it that Cisco creates yeah. you know or we only can but it uses this thing that's very hard to get a hold of so we can't use it every single week to solve our problem Whereas the way they've written it is, okay, it takes a toll on Barry, and the chances are he can't do it all the time because, yes, eventually it'll build up and it'll knacker him out, but he's not going to be using it every week because it's, you know, we're not seeing a villain attacking him every five seconds when we see this. There's gaps in between these episodes in the in the real world. <laughs> so you, you presume that he'd have time to rest afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, you know, or at the very least, you could have something like, uh, but uh, after after he after he uses it, um, he ends up drawing drawing so much power from the speed force. Uh, then he's then for some time afterwards, he is not able to use his speed. Mm. Yeah, 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 which which would 
but you know, yes, yes, so, 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 so you could have it, so you have him, have him try to use it, try to use it again in one, epi- in one episode, and then, and then, and then in the next one, find that find that he's, he's not able, he's not able, able to run fast at all. So yeah, exactly. And, that's a good kind of thing. Yeah, I think, but and and just and giving giving some kind of justification like that is so straightforward. But it's just lazy and frustrating that they, that they haven't. It's like when Supergirl uses the solar flare ability, which in the show is just heat vision, but a lot of heat vision, and yeah, she loses her powers for like a day. Exactly. Actually. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, that's that's easy enough. Or. Yeah, it, it takes him literally weeks or takes weeks for the speed force to recover and therefore he can only run like marginally fast for a few weeks or, or something, yeah. Um, yeah, there's easy ways around that. I mean, remember who, when he could only travel through time when he was, when it was really, um, when it was a situation that was just causing him all sorts of grief emotionally? You know, he just accidentally did it because he felt the, the urgency of the situation got his adrenaline spiking and he just went, you know, accidentally travelled through time. Remember when he did that? So, um, now he can just run back in time whenever he feels like it. Uh, So, yeah, they've made him too powerful. And I don't know how you write around that now, other than having other speedsters, which we know is kind of tiresome now. Yeah, 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 which I think was part of the the reason why they brought in DeVoe in the first place. Yeah. Was to, to try a non-speedster villain. Yeah, and DeVoe is all sorts of problematic because the writers are trying to write the smartest man alive, but they're not smart enough to write the smartest man alive. So you end up getting these half-baked explanations like, you wouldn't you wouldn't realise even if I told you. You know, <laughs> I'm so smart that I'm operating on a level you can't possibly comprehend. It's like, all right, okay. So you don't know either then. <laughs> Yeah. My plan is so clever that you will never see it coming. And part of, part of me thinks that they didn't know what his end game plan actually was part way through this season. Oh, they pulled it out of their arse. I, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of have the feeling that satellites and a mind ray to make people forget <laughs> was was not the original DeVoe plan. I, I, don't, I don't know why, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit if there had been maybe some hints or some subtlety later on and maybe someone in the comments below will will point out a scene where there's designs for the satellite in the background or something but I am definitely not going to go and watch back through the season to spot them myself feel free to be friends, off you go (laughs) yeah yeah, 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 uh, uh, most of this series has just generally frustrated to me in one degree or another but the episode where, like when the most like whole plan actually was was revealed, and that's the first time that in a long time where I have actually hated something while watching it. <laughs> I mean, having, so we're expected to to accept that that this is the guy um, who is capable of manipulating events to to create this dark matter explosion to to create a dozen metahumans so he can siphon his powers. Yes, I'm predicting people's reactions. Like it, like it, it's a massive chain of events, like months and months in advance. Yet he somehow, uh, uh, yet without all this, he's somehow unable to pull off a robbery of a random tech installation. You know, like every random C-grade villain does it. <laughs> Does it in, in, like, in a cold open of an episode when they, when they want to kill five minutes for the heroes to take to take down? And that's just oh god. <laughs> why, yeah, why, I, why, I did he, not... why did he wait? 
Why did he wait? That's, that's, that's what I don't get. That's it's like a, it's conveniently, thing, yes. conveniently the same episode that the heroes go, ah, we know what he needs. He needs. He would need this computer. He would need this supercomputer. And Devo's like, oh, God, they've worked out I need the supercomputer. Better pick that up today. <laughs> it's like instead of like a few months ago when it finally got installed or anything like that, it's like, yeah, I'll just get that now. Uh, it's Yeah, there's, there's a whole element of that sort of smartest man alive yeah. thing that makes you go, okay, you need to work on the smartest man a little bit. Um, a, lo- a lot of these plan is that, oh, yeah, I've calculated, you know, the chance of this happening and the chance of this being the following event from that chance thing and this this thing that you would never have thought of before is now definitely I'm thinking about that. And I've taken into account people from other universes just popping by <laughs> by chance... As well, so not only am I calculating the odds of what's going on in this universe, but I'm also calculating the odds of the chance of the people that are coming over from the others. Now, you go, okay, fair enough, I, I will take that if he's the smartest man alive. But why do so many stupid things if you're the smartest man? And he also you know? forgot to factor in that people have feelings. Yeah, yes, well, that, that, that was his downfall. <laughs> yes, you understand. Yes, because he, he doesn't get emotion. <laughs> Because he can't understand it because he's just he's, because he's just pure intellect and some other guff like that. Yeah, but like mm. psychology is an area of science, and in theory, you should understand all of it. But yeah, it's just the thing is, if you look at a show like Sherlock or Doctor Who, the protagonist in that in those shows is smarter than the audience and is smarter than the writers. But you can't write that because you're not that smart. So what they do instead is they make the world revolve around them. So they're, the things they do within that world reflects how intelligent they are. So that's what they really needed to do with Defoe. So it needed to be, this is the plan, we can see it building up in the background, and there should have been some moment roughly in the, you know, maybe two, three episodes before the end where it all came together and it was, oh my God, this is, so this is what everything means here, you know, and you see the, the, the pieces fall into place, but that never happens, because the, the whole anti-technology nonsense, that came out of absolute nowhere. Um, when DeVoe was introduced, he was a man who was dying, and he was a desperate man who was dying, who was smart enough, he was intelligent enough to do everything except stop himself from dying, because his intelligence was actually killing him. That was his original motivation, and for some reason it changed into... I hate technology and think it's a blight on the, the world, so I'm going to get make it everyone too stupid to use it. For, what? I, I will re-educate them using my satellite, which I'm also against because it's technology. Yes, yes, all technology is evil, except the ones that, except the technology I'm using. That's totally fine. Yeah, that's fine. We can keep that one. I yeah. mean, and the, 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 the ultimate... The ultimate uh, DeVoe mistake and thing that just constantly wound me up is ah, I'm not going to kill you yet Mr. Allen, I will do it <coughs> later, and you're going, well, well wh- why are you keeping him alive? Ah, well I'm keeping you alive for reasons and then we find out at the end, the reason is because he has predicted that they are going to use Barry in the chair helped by his wife that he didn't know was going to leave to use the mind reading pregnant woman to transport Barry into his head and at that point he would have control of Barry as well instead of just using the mind gun thing 
I, yeah. I, I don't I don't get why why not use the Mindsuki machine on Barry? It's like okay, I'm going to wait until this convoluted thing happens, and then I'm going to get Barry. Oh no, I didn't. Okay, he defeated me. Okay, I'm dead. It could have inhabited Barry's body months ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... yeah, okay. Did... yeah, but, uh, yeah, but instead he went full on Doctor Evil. Yeah, and why did he need those specific metahuman powers? Is it so he could perform certain heists? Because he could have done that just by thinking about it and hiring goons like anybody else. Well, the one-liner that you got was that he had picked specific powers in order to defeat anyone that Barry would team up with to stop him. Yes, and that was the only justification. That was the throwaway liner that we got, and you could kind of see some of the powers building. There were some very random ones, like the power of luck. That you're like, why, why, why did he need the power of luck? Where did that yeah. come from? Yeah, yeah, things, and also, yeah, and, and despite having that luck power, it didn't seem to stop some random security <laughs> guard stumbling across them when, when when they went to steal satellites. Yeah. That's the one. Um, it's yeah, and the way those powers were used. I mean, when it got to the point, it wasn't even before he had them all. It, or it wasn't even when he had them all. It was before that point where it's like this guy's undefeatable. He can control technology, he can control gravity, he can shrink things. You know, where where is the like where is the opposition to that now? He just Oh yeah, he can read minds, he can control minds. I mean if when you look at those powers combined it's just you know, why isn't he just winning immediately? Like why is he wasting his time just cutting about doing stuff? Because he could just win instantly. I mean it takes until the last episode where he just wanders into Star Labs and you know takes control of all their tech and stuff. Like could have done that a long time before that. Oh, he could he could have heisted their dark matter really quickly and then destroyed Star Labs and just got out at that point. Yeah, and it's, he had his pocket dimension that allowed instantaneous travel from place to place. So, as advantages go, he was undefeatable. Definitely. I mean, the, the, some of the powers you're like, okay, he needed the pocket dimension power so that he could get in and out of his pocket dimension without using technology or a chair. He had the technology power so he could sort of control his satellites and take out anyone that was going to sort of use technology against him. There was there was bits in there, but at the same time you're going, I, I don't get why all these have been put together. And some of them seemed like they were tacked on so that they could fill a couple of episodes with, well, we've got to hunt this particular person. You know, that yeah. gives us one episode more that we've filled, you know, because this is the episode where we hunt the banjo-playing women. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and fail. Again. Yeah. <laughs> and and don't week, succeed, just, yeah. yeah. It was it was like a frequent thing of, we're going to catch this person, oh, Divo got them at the last minute, oh. And there was even the, you know, the, the climax of Barry's whole prison experience is... Okay, break out and save uh, a load of the metahumans, and they all, you know, will all get away. At that point, I thought, oh, well, they're in a chance. You know, they've got a good team together there. They might be able to get out. No, Devoe comes along and takes them all out. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually really liked, um, I can't remember the, uh, the character's name, but the, the Sugarland Beard character. Uh, the lucky one. You know, she mm. seems actually yeah. really good. Be- Becky Sharp. Becky, that was. That's the one. Yeah, because she was like, I'm not, I'm not a bad person, and um, when she got her luck powers, 
she was just like, you know what, I'm just going to use my luck powers because I've had bad luck my entire life. And it's like, yeah, who wouldn't? And then it just goes out of hand because she doesn't know how to control them. And then later on, she's, yeah, she's very much in this prison, but she's a good person. And, you know, her, and her death meant something because of that. Because they'd spent that time being like, this is someone who really doesn't deserve the fate that she's about to get. And then, you know, and she's just a body that, um, that DeVoe uses for an episode before switching to another one. <laughs> Yeah, and to to be fair, that was quite a fun episode when she was introduced as on silly episode fronts. Yeah, I mean, no, she shouldn't have been that difficult to catch, but you know. Well, that was part of the fun of it. It was still a bit of fun, yeah. yeah. Like Barry slipping on marbles and things like that. Who's delivering marbles in the middle of the day? (laughs) (laughs) A whole truck of marbles, (laughs) not just like some kid drops a packet of marbles. It's a delivery truck of marbles. And then later on when he handcuffed himself and he's like, how is this possible? It was just so funny. And that's kind of an example of the tone they were trying to set and then lost their way with as the season went on. It's weird because it feels like they were trying to replicate season one's tone because everyone liked that. But they've forgotten what made it possible in season one and they've forgotten how to do it. So it just comes across as forced. Like A lot of the humour felt forced in this season, I thought. Hmm. It did seem like some of it was tacked on as an afterthought, like someone went through the script and went, and then we do a gag here, and then we do a bit here. And there was other stuff that I thought, oh, this should actually be a bit darker, that was then played for laughs. I mean, I don't know if you want to jump onto Harry's uh, thinking cap mishap at this point, but... You know, I, I kind of felt a little bit later on, I was I was looking back at it and going, this is like a super clever guy. He's been defined by intelligence his entire life and he's slowly losing that. And instead of it coming across as, as bad and dramatic as they were intending, in my opinion, some of it, they just, they just played for laughs. You know, forgetting people's names or saying something stupid. And then you're like, oh, hang on, that's Walking not into chairs. quite... Yeah, bumping into chairs, tripping over furniture, and you're going, no, that's, don't play it that way. This is like a, a traumatic thing. And you got some of that. I mean, they did try it with Cisco, where he's sort of looking at him, and you can see that Cisco is just so upset for him. But I don't think there was enough of that. I, I just, you know, it was, it was more like a look of disappointment. And then they tried to adjust that again in the very last episode. But I still didn't quite quite connect with it for some reason yeah that was one of the few moments that 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 that, that i actually quite liked was that bit between harry and cisco in the last episode because uh, yeah because because when, when uh, harry's using the cap like for what is going to be the last time because it's basically going to burn out his, his entire personality to do so and before that's on cisco cisco like basically saying goodbye and I thought that was like really well done, really, really emotional and and, and poignant. And there just they just needed to to have been so much more of that. I I, I totally agree. And his idea didn't work, which which downplays it slightly. And then it gets undone by the end of the episode anyway, which completely downplays it. Yeah, well, all, all, I don't think it was like it was like it was it was immediately downplayed by by it not working. I, I just I, I felt that that made it all more tragic. Uh, by, by, by the fact that he's effectively sacrificed himself for nothing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Though, though, as you say, that I, like it's 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 rendered moot when it when it, when it gets when it gets reversed. Yeah, but but I think but yeah, but at the at the moment itself, and yeah, yeah, then you're it's all you're still able to able to feel that for as long as it lasts. Yeah, uh, Tom Cavanaugh does a good job that um, having him be of average intelligence but high emotional intelligence by the end of the season is uh, that's yeah, it's not so good. There's no use for Harry in the show anymore, that's for sure, because he's not a genius. So what's he going to do? You know. But, um, yeah, well, we'll just get a, I guess we'll just get a new Harry. We'll just get a new Harrison Wells. As long as it's not any of the Council of Wells or the Council of Harrisons, like, <laughs> oh, none no. of those weirdos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. I, in, I kind of got the impression they were, they were trying to go full on orphan black with, with that with that whole thing, and they just failed miserably. They were all just caricatures, weren't they? They were all just horrible, thinly sketched caricatures. And as fun as it can be to see Tom Cavanaugh play around with these things, there was nothing to them, and I don't want any of them to come back ever again. I think it was very funny in the first episode it was introduced as an idea and then it was fun to see this time they kind of played it a bit too much and like you say adding on the the council of Harrison's at the other end you were going oh okay this is this is played out now so yeah let's let's leave that let's leave that maybe we'll end up with a council of Cisco's in the next uh, season oh god (laughs) <laughs> Council of Irises or no, Iris no, no, no. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> Council of Dibney. Can you imagine? Oh, right, I'm not even going there. I'm giving writers ideas that I shouldn't be putting out there. You've said too much. <laughs> I've said too much. Let's let's edit that out. Let's quick <laughs> replace yeah. it with static noise. Pretend my microphone cut out. <laughs> yeah, uh, going back to sort of Devo's plan as such. Uh, his relationship to Marlies was supposed to be a big part of that. Although I don't think it was as big a part of it as it should have been. My favourite thing that they did with her was when he was drugging her. And, and it was kind of playing in that. It wasn't quite a time loop, but it, it was, a, as far as she was concerned, it was a loop. You know, she was seeing the plans to that thing that she'd already been designing. And she was continuing her own work, but she didn't realise it. And then by the end of the episode, she finds out, before forgetting again, that it was her husband drugging her this whole time every time she found out about it. I thought that was really nicely done and really effective and then um, it's a shame they didn't do more with it and especially by the end of the season when she's in the last episode none of that emotional connection comes into play at all she's just another voice shouting nonsense at Star Labs and it's a real waste of something good that they had there I, I thought it was incredibly dark that episode where you're finding out that she's, you know you've got the hint that she's been getting drugged but then You'd already when you that, find yeah. out that she's sort of recorded this video however many times, and I can't remember how many times he says that she's discovered the video already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, incredibly, incredibly dark. And I did want to see her getting a bit of a bigger revenge uh, towards the end there for what he had done to her. Um, I suppose the ultimate revenge is making his plan fail. But. Yeah, I, I do think there needed to be a bit more of a connection at the end. I mean, granted, it was her trying to find her Clifford in the end and get him back until they found out that in his mind he's kind of been shot and killed. You know, the real the real Clifford DeVoe is dead now, you know, in the, in the most brutal way. But yeah, I, I do think it needed something to sign it off a little bit better. 
something, some, I don't know, I, I don't know, some sort of apology thing. I, I, I don't know what I was expecting in the end there. Yeah, and I think with the... With the aspect of their whole relationship, um, there there needed to be more of an explanation into what actually uh, attracted them to, to to each other in in the first place. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, we do get that that flashback episode of of, um, of them first meeting. I I really don't think there's in, there's a, there's enough in that to to convince of exactly what would have. Um, of what would have been the catalyst for them beginning a, a relationship? I mean, yeah, it's like one particular aspect of that which irritated me was was when there's a scene of them having a picnic together, and Marlies mentions uh, something like like no one's ever challenged me like that like that before. Like referred to like their, their like their argument they had in the um in the in in the debate, but but I was just thinking it's like it's like seriously you're like you're trying to imply that. A beautiful woman in an academic environment hasn't ever been 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 questioned or belittled by some condescending man in a smug and arrogant dismissal. It's like I find that very very hard to believe or accept. I definitely think that there would have been uh, someone would have debated and challenged her before. It was her. It was her change in opinion from. Uh, Clifford, what I saw scared me to I'm going to be by your side to complete this completely evil plan. That That's the bit I just... In that episode, I was like, do you know what? It is interesting seeing the origins of a villain from one point of view. However, it was her switch round that I didn't understand. Him and his beliefs, well, we, you know, he must have been committed to get to that point. But the reason that she changes her mind... I just didn't quite get. It was like, oh well, these feelings were always inside me, and the reason I ran away from you is because it scared me what I <laughs> knew was true at that. But I didn't get. It, it was like, no, you ran away because you thought he was nuts, <laughs> uh, and and you know, and the fact that he runs through a war zone to get you is equally nuts. Uh, it's, it's like well, that. At this point, you shouldn't be convinced of his plan. Yeah, because she, she decides that technology is bad after some people come in and shoot up the place. Um, after she's made a piece of technology that helps people, because it's, it's a water purifier or something, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So she's making something that will help people in underprivileged areas have clean drinking water, right? There is no, there is nothing bad about that. There is no disadvantage. Uh, the fact that people came in to shoot it up is to do with people and their own agendas and their own decisions. It's nothing to do with technology. But she concludes, oh no, you're right, technology is a blight on society, we need to get rid of it. And we need to build all this stuff to to make that happen. But yeah, it's that kind of light switch moment, it just doesn't work. And then she's supposed to have that other light switch moment where she's like, hang on, you are a psycho and I'm leaving. And then she leaves and, and then works with Team Flash and then doesn't really have any emotional resolution with her husband. Even when he does come back as a hologram, which I thought was quite cool, and I was like, "All right, cool. This will be the point where you know there's some kind of catharsis there." It's like, nope, she just unplugs the chair. So that's that. Problem solved, I guess. That was how Devo was defeated by having his chair unplugged. But I, you know, I, I'm you know getting into future bits and whatever. I don't think he's defeated because he's still kind of floating around inside Dibney. Yeah, well, we're I would, I would, I would think. 
Do you think Ralph has all those powers, by the way, since they were in his body and he's reclaimed his body? This, this I don't know. It's like just because Dibney was the one that got out. If Barry had stumbled over um, Kilgrave or whatever his name was, or Kilgore, um, Kilgore. Kilgore, there we go. <laughs> Kilgore, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm merging TV shows there, am I? If, if he had got a hold of him and threw him through, would he have taken control? Would that have been the way that worked? I don't know. It's like, and, and were they all floating about inside there? In which case, are they all still inside Dibney's head now? I mean, I suppose that's something that's going to be explored in the next season, isn't it? No. Oh, boy. <laughs> or just completely forgotten about. It's like, remember that time when you had all those people inside you, Dibney? And then it'll be played as a gag. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit weird. Well, he only uses his stretchy powers when he's back in the real world. So he should still have all the abilities because they were absorbed by his body mm. or they were absorbed into his body. I don't know. I don't know how this whole body switching process works. It seems that he was able to hold on to the powers every time he jumped bodies for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was something to do with uh, brainstorm. Something, something, something to do, like to do oh, with powers his powers. Guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, 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 allowed him to sort of like jump between them. Because uh, it, it, what happened to that guy as well? Did he not like essentially die off screen or something? I, God, I can't even remember. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, you know, to, to, to us, like, like, like there were so many different characters, like be, being being like flung at you left, right, and centre, and trying to remember like, like which one of them were bus netters and which one of them were, like random random villains of the week, and yeah. which ones were part of the plot, Kilgore of uh, Devo's plan, and which ones weren't. I mean, I started to lose track after a while. Yeah, yeah, it's just a confusing mess, and not and not just not very good. Really. I mean, I think we can agree that Devo was a, a pretty bad villain. Um. I liked him at first when he was the terminally ill guy trying to stop himself from dying. Mm. That was enough of a motivation for me. And then I thought his plan at the time was to try and steal Barry's body or something because he would burn through everything else except Barry's because of his healing ability. Nope. Turns out Dibney's body was the perfect one because of his stretching ability or something. Yes, yes, because he could, he could, look, he could look like himself again instead of uh, having some pseudo-lesbian scenes with his wife in whatever random woman he's inhabiting this week. And in a show that's usually quite progressive about uh, same-sex relationships as well. Yeah. Uh, they did have one cool action scene with him, though. I think it was the penultimate episode where he broke into Argus. I think it was Argus. Yes. Um, and he just wandered around, just curb-stomping stomping everybody in his path. That was really cool. Uh, a lot of people compared it to the kind of Daredevil hallway scene. And to an extent, it's, it's almost as good as that. It was a very well-shot sequence. It was a good example of him using sort of each of his powers on the yeah. way through. I mean, I liked that he impersonated Diggle on the way in. That was a nice little <laughs> sort of cameo bit. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he just completely messed up Argus. But when when do you ever see Argus not get completely messed up with someone? It, it doesn't take much to break into Argus, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just an army of red shirts, the whole whole lot of them. They are. It's like, let's put all these disposable people in front of it, and hopefully no one gets through it. Oh, okay, they've broken, it's fine. Um, But yeah, I mean, he he properly went through that entire facility. Um, I remember last season when they were trying to get into a facility where uh, there was anti-meta-human stuff. Yes. that, That meant that they couldn't use his powers to get in, and that's why they needed Snart, because he was good at heists. Yeah, where was that? <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> I mean, 
I just kill Gore's power would, would stop those working. I think yeah, he got them to disable the the tech at the door, didn't he? He got yeah. when he was Diggle, he said to disable the mutant, uh, not the mutant, the metahuman dampeners mm-hmm. when he was on his way in, and then once that was off, then he could do everything that he wanted to. Really, I mean, it kind of showed the power level as well. Where you're like, this is the ridiculous level that we've got to power up our villain now to make them immune to Team Flash and anyone else that can be called in. Because uh, he just went through that facility himself. There was no like army of goons behind him. And it's like, I have to sit in here all episode while the nuclear guy powers up. And that should give people a chance to stop me. Oh, they love they loved a countdown timer or a percent bar in this season. Uh, there's got to be a percent bar in Flash Supercut sitting somewhere because there was well, a lot of timers this this season. Well, that was the tension in the final episode. It was you know we'll look at the screen every now and again, and one and we'll see how close to a hundred it is, and that tells us how screwed we are. And, and that doesn't Gar- really work. Yeah, guaranteed to get to ninety nine point nine nine before <laughs> before a resolution. Yeah. You do see the kind of effect it's having on the people outside in the opening minutes of the episode, but you never return to that. So it's just, oh my god, it's at eighty six point three percent. Hurry up! You know? Yeah, you don't you don't return to them part way through. You return to them at the very end when the lights sort of come back on, and everyone goes, yeah. oh, thank God for that. Uh, so you know, can cheer on the Flash after he punches a satellite. Though I was thinking, you know, at that point it'd be a really bad time for the sort of police chief to be hit by a car or something. <laughs> hey Barry, I've got good news for you about your job. <laughs> <laughs> Screech of tires as a car mows him down. I just need you to know. go in tomorrow morning and sign off this paperwork, and then we're fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just going to go and get a coffee at this place that gets a refit once every two weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that would be the place that you would totally avoid, wouldn't it? That would be blacklisted. There was another source of tension, though. They were trying to stop um, Cecile having a baby because then she would lose the the ability that was required, uh, which is kind of bizarre because there are no consequences to them doing that. It's just like, okay, it's, she's fine now. The baby's perfectly healthy. There are no... I mean, it might have been a bit dark to be like, uh, because of what we did, this baby is now brain damaged, you know, or something. But, um, <laughs> I know, but you would think... Uh, at the very least, they would have acknowledged the possibility of consequences for, yeah. for doing that. Yeah. But they would have just launched straight, straight ahead. Yeah. And, I don't know, the Cecile pregnancy stuff was... It was pretty tedious throughout because of the mind-reading ability. Just, um, although I, th- I like what they, they did with the whole Joe was worried about him hearing... Um, worried about her hearing what he thought and then she puts his mind at ease by saying hearing a few stray thoughts isn't going to change the way I feel about you and stuff because you do get that uh, in a lot of these mind reading things where it's like they, they heard something and they're like this changes my opinion of you completely so I'm glad they dodged that because that's just boring and rubbish I mean I suppose the relationship isn't central enough for that to happen no but it is good that they sort of avoided that usual trope yeah yeah, and then I don't know what's what's going to happen next season now that there's a new child kicking about. Probably nothing. It'll just be mentioned every now and again. Maybe like Diggle's son or daughter or whatever it is this week. Damn flashpoints changed it again. <laughs> Damn it, Barry! <laughs> Comes back. He's then got twins. It's like, where did he come from? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it'll be like any other child in in these types of shows where they just. 
you know, they're mentioned now and again, or there's a convenient nanny they can be chucked at just for the <laughs> week, you know. Or Cecile's not in it this week because she's looking after the baby. Um, I don't know. All sorts of things. But yeah, the mind reading stuff, I think it gave us some good scenes with Harry, though. Uh, I, th- I actually like Cecile and Harry's dynamic because they, they do bounce off each other really well. I really liked it when he was coming up with the cerebral inhibitor thing. And uh, and she was like, I'm not, I can't wear this. He's like, well, it's, I'm a genius and came up with this great device. And she's like, yeah, but it weighs like a ton. And it was this big thing, <laughs> big, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It was just a massive thing that she was putting on her head at first. It was just a big dustbin, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just huge. It's like, wear this dustbin over your head and then you won't hear anyone. Just give me half an hour and I'll get a miniaturised for you, though. You know, it's... How many years of development was it before the iPhone is, you know, the, the size it is now <laughs> or whatever? But like, nah, uh, Harry, uh, Harry Wells can do that in an afternoon. Just, uh, he was on Thinking Cap at the time, I suppose, but, but still. Or was he? Oh, I can't remember. I think that was pre-Thinking Cap, because did he not use what he did with Cecile to make his Thinking Cap? Very possible. I don't know. Yeah. I, might, I might be rewriting that in my head. <laughs> Very possibly. Uh, I don't have any more thoughts on Cecile, really. Andrew, you got anything on Cecile? Um, honestly, nothing more than than what's what's already been mentioned. Because yeah, yeah, because because yeah, there was really uh, there, there was really that that little done with her. Mm. Yeah, it's part of the furniture that Harry can walk into. Uh, on to possibly the most problematic character of the season, Caitlin. Uh, this whole Caitlin Killer Frost thing is not something I've ever been a fan of because I don't understand the need for a split personality and apparently Daniel Panabaker also doesn't understand the need for a split personality which <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to mention that <laughs> yeah, Which will definitely affect her <laughs> performance um, But the, the whole So sometimes they hang around with Killer Frost and sometimes they hang around with Caitlin It's a bit weird because they've just randomly accepted that there's two people living inside the same body and, and you get Caitlin feeling jealous of herself for a little while um, and then by the end of the season you have this well before the end of the season you've got the built up apparently they've built up some kind of relationship where they leave each other notes about stuff which was never seen before and only existed in that episode to make the departure of Killer Frost feel more tragic yeah so, that was there was a bit I mean they did the whole um Oh, that's an in-joke that only Killer Frost would get. Or, yeah, she's so fun when she's around. You know, we wish you were more like her kind of thing. Yeah. To, to just peeve her off. I, I don't understand the need for the split personality thing. The big the big bit for me was the sort of rewriting or the little tease thing, because you know it's going to come up later on at some point, of that she's always had Killer Frost inside her. You know, that, that little cut scene thing that was quickly thrown in there also massive inconsistency it seems because Killer Frost like only like, uh, only only existed um, after alchemy rolled over from the whole fl- the whole flashpoint reality yeah yeah it was it's weird I mean there is precedent for metahumans existing before the particle accelerator explosion because they mentioned that with the, the one Doug Jones played um, although that was mentioned in an Arrow episode uh, which is where he first appeared, but it was like if he wasn't hit by the accelerator, then how did he get his powers? And then wait, which one was he? 
Uh, he was the one that was like basically Cyclops. He could shoot beams from his eyes. Right. Yes. Yes. Remember that. He he appeared first appeared in an Arrow episode, and then turned up periodically in Flash. I don't remember what happened to him, uh, if he's dead or not. But, uh, but, but even anyway. if but even if it was a Flashpoint change, everyone that's had their lives changed by Flashpoint only knows the Flashpoint timeline. It's not like uh, the only person that came in not knowing what that world was like was Barry. Yeah. So if it had been a post-Flashpoint thing, she'd have known at that point. Unless, yeah, she'd unless about that particular that, mm. that that memory, you know, like that was the whole point. Is mm. there's a lot more to her life than she remembers, and for some reason, part of getting Killer Frost back had nothing to do with the lack of dark matter in her system. And had everything to do with some kind of emotional trauma she was hiding from herself, which allowed for another example of people sitting opposite that bloody therapist. And I think <laughs> they, they decided, someone in the writing staff decided that this was really funny and really charming, and we should get every character in front of this woman. But it's just not. Every time it came up, I was like, oh, this woman again. The only therapist in Central City, apparently. I, th- I think that therapist should become sort of consistent through the canon, to be honest. I want to see Oliver and Felicity sorting out their differences opposite. I, I think if they're, if they're going to roll with it, roll with it big style. Get the legends in, get Arrow in, get them all in. Black Lightning, anyone. Put them in front of that therapist. Just, the same woman. Yeah, that same woman all the way through. And when it turns out that she is a super villain in a few seasons' time, it will be worth the build-up. I could go for that, definitely. I've discovered all your secret identities because you've been so lax with me over this time. You thought I didn't know. I figured it all out. Now you're going down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'll take you all down with pent-up emotional trauma. (laughs) That's it. I'm just going to say something that will really upset you and it'll throw you off your game and that's it. (laughs) And it's like, nah, you could imagine that, actually, some, something like that happening. You know, Barry gets stopped. Barry's about to do the takedown because he's not using flash time because he's an idiot. And then she just says, remember what it felt like the t- night your mother died? And, and how you were there twice <laughs> to see it happen. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's really upsetting. Hang on, I'm just going to sit around in flash time for a while to get over this, and then I'll come back and stop. Damn it, flash time. <laughs> Taking that out. See, that that could be the, you know, if you build it up and everything, that could be the uh, the joint up episode. That could be the sort of... Uh, the next crossover. Is yeah, the next crossover. Therapy. Bring it on, group therapy. <laughs> oh, God. It'd be ridiculous. But I'd, I'd, just the kind of ridiculous that might just work. Do you know what? If you've got them all sitting there in the studio filming the crossover, there'd be no harm in giving us a little cut of five minutes so we can have a laugh. How about that? I, I put it to you, people. We're paying these actors. You can give them just just a five-minute thing, okay, of group therapy. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so with, with Caitlin, you had all this... Yeah, you had all these problems with, with Caitlin and, and her dual duality. It didn't. It just didn't work for me, because I didn't understand where any of it was coming from. All of the emotional side of it just felt forced, so I didn't. I didn't ever buy into it. And her obsession with getting Killer Frost back, because she feels like she was missing a part of herself, is just it again doesn't work. Because the last we knew, she wanted rid of it because it was a problem for her. But 
even if you accept she gets around to that, you had this whole thing where she lies to the team, you know, because that's what they do. She lies to the team about Amunet being able to help them, even though she can't. Uh, and she offers to do a crime on her behalf if, if it all works out. And I have no objection to Caitlin saying, I'll get Killer Frost to do a crime for you because that's an impulsive emotional reaction. That's characters making mistakes, which is good. She's not held accountable for it, though. No, one's, no one says to her, that is a really stupid thing to do. You have no idea what she would ask you to do. What if she asked you to kill someone? You know, something like that. Um, the lack of accountability bothers me. I agree. I think it's a bit... It's, it's the usual thing, like you say. It ticks all the, the flash problem boxes of them not being open and honest with each other, which is something that you know they should have learned by now. Plus the no accountability kind of thing. I mean, you touched on Amunet there. I'm still confused as to what her powers actually are <laughs> because she's able to make a bit of metal with the one throw ability it'll destroy satellites thing and I'm like, but if Barry just threw a lump of metal really fast at a satellite would it not kill it anyway I'm a bit confused but uh, maybe like all of the bits of metal like, in her bucket that she costs around everywhere like were all special bits of metal that that, that hasn't actually been mentioned yet they were stealing very specific shards of metal um, I don't know why I don't remember why because I hated that episode so much it was one of the worst things I've seen in a long time it was just terrible from start to finish and I was I've, like why am I watching this it was like some developed alloy type thing it's a very rare metal whatever it was the shards that she's able to control but it was more that she could imbue a certain set of the shards with powers even when other people throw them that, that confused me that was like a question marky type thing yeah, and they were trying to work out a delivery system. So, like, hmm, if only we knew people with a time-travelling spaceship. That, that could <laughs> if, if only. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I was waiting for it to be delivered by arrow. <laughs> yeah, just stick it in the end of an arrow and fire it. Why not? Like, I don't know. It makes about as much sense as anything else that's going on. And all he does is jump off a building and throw it anyway. And it only takes out one satellite, and it's like, don't worry, I can use your satellite. Yeah, I can just hijack, hijack another one. Yeah. Which, yeah, which immediately asks, is like, well, then why did you need to steal them in the first place? Yeah. Why are you building? Like, was I missing something? Yeah. Oh, I don't. But that episode was the one of the worst pieces of crap I've seen in a long time. It was, it was truly awful. Um, and I just got annoyed. I, I did get really annoyed when when. When the reaction to Caitlin offering to do a crime on uh, Amunet's behalf was just dismissed by everyone, like no one reacted to it. I mean, you think that someone would realise what the consequences of that could be, and it reminded me of an episode of Angel. I mean, I don't, I don't know if either of you have seen Angel. Not for years. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, gonna, you're out of luck over here. I'm going to spoil it anyway. And in, in the fifth season. Uh, I mean, the, the show is like 15 years old or something like that, like get over it. But, um, in the fifth season, there is a point where one of the characters has, I mean, without going into too much detail, they're, they're corrupted by this evil law firm. Um, and one of the characters has been given, like, you know, boundless knowledge of the law. 
Uh, so he knows everything about the, the law, and then he starts to lose that that knowledge. So in order to get it back, he has to do a favour for this doctor that can give him it back. And that favour is, just get something out of customs. It's fine. And, and you know, he's like, yeah, it's fine. I can't see there being anything bad with this, because he's desperate. He just signs it off, and then what happens is it ends up killing one of the members of the team. So there are the consequences of that. He's held accountable for that. There are, you know, it affects him for the rest of the series. Whereas in Flash, it's like, all right, we're going to do a crime, but now you're not. And I think someone, I mean, Barry should have given Caitlin a chewing out for that, or or Iris, or Joe. You know, Joe should have said that. You know, all the time we spend trying to stop criminals, and you're just going to be one, apparently. Uh, even if it's just one. And I don't know, it just stuck in my craw. It still continues to. I had a strong reaction, maybe not as strong as uh, struck in my craw, but uh, <laughs> definitely was. Uh, it was a bit sort of, there's no consequences, but the thing is, it's a no consequences yet thing, I think, because, you know, we've not got her back at full strength yet, and, you know, Amunet's got away, so consequences again. are probably going to come. Yeah, again, yeah. Yeah, every time she turns up, it's like, why aren't you arresting her? It's like, it's like, it's like, like she's right there. It's like, like, you can move a lot faster than she can. Just grab her. It will be very simple. Hit the pause button, saunter over there, contemplate it for a bit, eat a ham sandwich, put the cuffs on her. Job done. <laughs> she's such a waste of such a talented actor as well. Yeah, I mean, there's... there's yeah. She's not good in this. No, I mean, there's elements of fun and you can see, it's, it's like a lot of the things, you can see what they're aiming for, but they just miss so often and it's really annoying because you're like, I can see what you wanted to do with this character and you just didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that they, they, they think that the Amina as character is, like, is, is a lot more fun and interesting than she actually is. Which is why they want to they want to keep her like like uh, out of jail and still kicking about the place, so so they can just bring her back whenever they feel like it because they think it'll be fun. Whereas for viewers, it's just boring. Do you think it's uh, like they're lining her up as a replacement for Snart in a way that they'll have their God. tame criminal that they go to? You know, because they've said that, you know, Snart's not coming back, that this is them going, OK, we need another criminal that they can go to if they need to break in somewhere or do a heist. God, I hope not. Yeah, and it, it, sounds like, it, sounds like, it sounds like the kind of thing that they would do, but I really, really hope they don't. No, let's, let's not have that happen. Um, I'm struggling to think of anything Cisco had to do of any import this season. He had that whole relationship with Gypsy that ended. He was going to be the next breacher and then didn't want to be. That was it. Exactly, and that was a that had a potential to be like a really interesting plotline. Yeah, we have like because 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 you can just imagine how much mileage they could get out of out of Cisco like being being torn like between his loyalty for Team Flash and his and his desire to basically like to basically under. To, like to to have his dream job alongside the woman that he loves, yeah. which basically like could be a perfect life for him. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and forcing him to choose between that, but like had the potential to 
to, to have a great deal of like, emotional poignancy to it. And, and yet they just botched it. Uh, and, and didn't even bother trying to do anything with it. Yeah, I mean, the relationship with Gypsy was never that well developed to begin with, because it just it got mentioned every now and again. And uh, As good as it is to see Danny Trejo, I don't think he was used particularly well here. Um, he's kind of, yeah, he won't be back, I suppose, because he's too old to use his powers and uh, effectively, so you've got that. But because uh, yeah, because probably that happens. Yeah, yeah, apparently. And what happens with Jay as well? He kind of, he's too old to use his powers effectively now, apparently, uh, as of one episode. But the, I honestly thought the finale was going to, or one of the things that would happen in the finale is that Cisco would say. On, on second thought, I'm actually going to go off and do this. And then everyone would have been like, yeah, we'll support you with that, bye. And then you just leave. And, I don't know, maybe you have a missing for a few episodes, or or you could still have them in as many episodes, but in a more recurring capacity, and maybe Team Flash are f- tracking down a lot more different Earth metahumans, you know, as a result, because they just keep coming to Earth 1 for reasons. Uh, it would almost be an interesting standalone thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, you just have him cutting about doing his own thing for a little while. He can maybe interact with alternate versions of the cast. Uh, why not? And then he returns at some point after deciding it's maybe not for him or or he has to deal with a very specific problem on Earth 1 that takes half a season. It's, it's almost like what Thor was doing in the, uh, in the Avengers uh, movies, you know, where he was going around trying to sort out the Nine Realms and ends up staying on Earth for a while because there's a lot of problems there. Uh, once again, yeah, 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 or or, yeah, or, or, the, or they, well, they, they could, they could, have, they could have tried doing, doing like, doing uh, another, another spin-off series, to, like, like having, having like, like, being like, like a full, a full go in its own right, and, and, you know, and, and, and like, actually, and actually have 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 the series, have the series be called Breachers. Yeah. I, I just, I just uh, being being about like him, 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 him Gypsy kind of like, like jump, jumping about, jumping out the multiverse. I think we've got enough shows in this universe at this point to keep track of. True. <clears throat> Using my theory, you could half the number of episodes in several of these and do a little spin-off in between with the spare episode time that you've allocated yourself. Yeah. They can't. They definitely can't sustain a, a one villain for an entire season. They've proven that on three separate occasions. Season one's different because you didn't know who the villain was at first. Uh, yeah, half half, half of the season there isn't a main villain there. Yeah. You know, I, there's an occasional drop in, like very, very occasional, but it's not you're not building towards that in the first half. Yeah. So yeah, that's all. That's all pointless. But yeah, Cisco. It's a shame because I like that character so much, and it's a shame that they're not doing anything with him. Uh, just having him stand around, fix stuff, and. and get presented with interesting possibilities and then not use them. It would have been cool. I don't know. Yeah, yeah the, the, the problem they would have had though was would there be if Cisco did leave, then who would make everyone look at their costumes? Well, they've all got their costumes now. I mean, he just needs to fix baddies and then he's alright. Ah, but you've got to make them for the other programmes as well, because the drop-off <laughs> is always... You've got them... I suppose you could get them off a of Gamby if he's if he's part of this particular universe. They've not quite committed themselves yet. The Wave Rider can just make them up yeah. at any time, so that's fine. Because that's how um, what's her name? Zari got hers that she never wears. 
so yeah, it can just make them up. Um, so at the end of the season, uh, we're at that point. So we had we had the introduction of well, it's not the introduction. We had the reveal of who this mysterious girl that appeared in every episode, or sporadically since the crossover, uh, who seemed to know them and seemed to want to be around them, and was just scrawling stuff that that were like speed force symbols or whatever. Um, I won't ask, was anybody surprised by the reveal? I will ask, at what point did you figure out what it would be? Ooh, I think like about the second time she was on, and I was like, oh, it's a fan, it's someone that knows they're all a secret, and they know, or she knows where they're going to be and what's going to be going on. Uh, it must be someone from the future. I don't know when I quite put two and two together and went, oh, it's a speedster, so it'll be it'll be their daughter or their, yeah, their child, definitely. Yeah, well, I actually had had that thought, like, pre- uh, pretty much the moment she appeared, be, like, be, uh, yeah, being all enigmatic and mysterious. Yeah. But, then, but then I dismissed it, kind of, like, uh, very naively, thinking, nah, it won't be that. Like, that's too boring and cliched. Yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be something far more imaginative than that. And then you remembered what show you were watching. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, but that was my first suspicion when I saw her at the wedding. I was like, "Oh, that's her, that's their daughter coming back to see their wedding thing." Yeah, and that was it because she just vanishes, and uh, every time she turns up, although it had the same problem that a lot of Doctor Who arcs have, where it doesn't tell you anything new when they appear; it just reminds you that it's there. So it's it had that problem every time she turned up. It was like, "All right, she's here again, speaking to different people." But you're not learning anything as she does. With the exception of her writing those weird symbols in her book. That was the only time that you kind of... And then when she speeds off at one point, towards the end, you get, um, you know, all right, she's a speedster. And then and then she just turns up and says, hi, I'm your daughter from the future, and I've made a massive mistake. <laughs> um, my thinking is that Barry was supposed to have been killed by the satellite thing. Because um, they tease that when Marley says what happens... If, you know what happens to him in all this, and then you had the bit where time rewound, and then she was there, and she, I guess the the extra speedster oomph stopped it from killing him. I think he, yeah. was, he was either supposed to be killed or like badly, badly injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was the implication I, I took from it. Yeah. So I think. She, I think that this character, Nora, it turns out her name is, um, which makes sense. I think she could be an asset to the show, certainly in the first part of season five. She is, um, she's got a good energy about her. She seems like she'll be a good fit for the cast. Uh, I don't know how permanent she'll be. I imagine it would just be an arc at the start of the series where they fix her, where, where her, that mistake she makes is addressed and then she buggers off. But. Um, I don't know what they've got planned for her. A seat on the wave rider. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, the whole prospect of them meeting their future daughter and this kind of... Th- this example of what their relationship will turn out to be and, and all this, uh, that, that'll have interesting implications to it because Barry and Iris will get to see what a child they raise turns out like. And there'll be either pride or disappointment, I suppose, in that. And 
you'll get to see Barry give advice to his daughter when he doesn't really know the answers himself. And, and there's there's all sorts of potential there. I don't know. I think I think we're going to end up seeing daughter fading out as something goes wrong that means that they're going to be apart or they're going to disagree. And there's going to be something like that going, I think. Yeah, you think they'll, they'll go the angsty angle? You're probably right. I think they'll do I think they'll do the I shouldn't have changed something and now that I've changed it, I'm not going to be born because everything is is different and I'm going to explain how it's different and just before I get to a critical bit of information I'm going to fade out completely and you're not going to know for the rest of the season until the final episode <laughs> although if Barry was supposed to die during the satellite thing then that would mean that she was conceived before that point so that would mean that Iris is pregnant at the end of the episode that, that's why I was saying that I think he was supposed to be really badly injured maybe injured to the point where he couldn't use his powers anymore but he survived I don't know I, I, I'm like trying to make stuff up in my head I've got no idea maybe they don't have an idea at this point either I don't know, maybe they've written it but not too sure it's a very weak cliffhanger I agree that I don't think that they actually know what they're going to do with her yet or or, or have, or have, have like any, any proper idea of, of, of where they're going to go. I still have to figure out exactly what problems her meddling has, has caused. But in such a way that it isn't, isn't too similar to Legends, otherwise it would just end up looking like the same show. Yeah. And also have, have the instant fix of them simply simply being able to call in the time travelers to fix it and seeing as Wally is now evidently fine with with with, with, ju- with jumping jumping in and out of, uh, out of the present then it, it should be, it should be fairly fairly simple for him to for, for him to call all his new friends yeah and Sarah as well I mean even evil Laura could phone her so it seemed to be pretty easy to contact the one thing one thing that stood out to me was Barry didn't ask Wally if he was there during this whole satellite debacle because it would have made sense because he knew there was another speedster there but he didn't know who it was so I felt like there should have been a little moment where Barry goes up to Wally and be like thanks for your help back there and it's like what are you talking about? He might have noticed the colour of the lightning and I forgot it wasn't Wally which I actually thought like, was a nice touch. Uh, it's just with with with, with, with Nora, Nora having purple lightning, like which was which was which was like the, the same same color that Irish was given when when she got Barry's speedster powers. Yeah, she has like yellow and purple mixture of the two. So yeah, I, they never explained why Iris has purple lightning, especially after they've explained they've gone to some lengths to explain why the lightnings the lightning is a different color depending on situations. You know, the blue lightning means that speeds are sick, the yellow is healthy. The, they never explain what the red is, I suppose, but it's just the opposite. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's bizarre. Or Savitar's lightning is white because he's really fast. <laughs> because reasons. Because reasons. Yes, it's like like uh, because uh, like uh, because everything ha- everything has to has to ha- has to have some color coded ra- ra- like a uh, rainbow variance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we feel like 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 the same kind of thing as Devo's powers. Yeah, 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 because because uh, each one each one was color coded, so you could tell exactly what, exactly which one he was using at any given moment. Yeah, it's that clever visual. Well, it's a visual cue. I don't know if it's clever. It's clever enough. I mean, um, I don't have any problem with the production people on these shows. They do some really good work. 
some of the CGI is, is great and you know they, they managed to put together things really nicely. It's just the writing I have issues with. You know, and, and the fact that it's turning characters that I do like into people I don't like. Uh, because they just behave so stupidly, constantly. Very quickly, uh, what do you think is going to happen next season? You know, they've said there is not enough, there won't be another speedster villain. If they have said who the new villain's going to be, I haven't caught it. Although, I don't want it to be another villain all season. I really want them to adopt the, the Gotham Ag or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. model of Let's have eight episodes about this, let's have eight episodes about that, and then we'll have another eight episodes about this other thing, and build up to that last thing. I don't want this single season villain that just drags the arse out of the whole thing. I'm not enti entirely sure what I, what, what, I think, what I think will happen, but certainly what I hope will happen will be that they'll learn from the mistakes that they made in this season. Um, and at the very least, I uh, actually, actually have have an an end point in sight uh, when when they when they when they actually start writing it, yeah. so 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 they, so they know what what the, so they know what they're heading towards, and so could actually can organically move move to move towards there, so so that when so that when this does does get get, get revealed, it doesn't. Seem like 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 something that they've pulled out of nowhere. Yeah, um, Chris, what do you think about next season? Uh, what do you yeah, think? I'm kind of the same as you. I think a, a a villain for a few episodes, like you say, like give them eight episodes each and and do some little individual bits. I think try and go back to its roots a little bit more. I think you know likely we're going to end up with some form of multi personality Dibney. With what he's got stuck inside. I mean, if he's got all those powers, I mean, they might try and come up with a way of separating folk out. I don't know. I don't know how they would do that. But anyway, multi personality Dibney for a bit. Potential thinker return as part of that, if all the personalities are still in there. Um, and I've already said my sort of theory about future daughter, you know, Nora potentially sort of fading out. Uh, for some particular reason, you know that they're, the couple are splitting apart or whatever they should be together. Yeah. So let's um, let's go with something like that. I'm not too sure. I think they'll do work on the whole Killer Frost thing. Mm. Find out why she was Killer Frost when she was a child. Um, I'm sure that Cecile mentioned something about finding whatever her dad's name is. That was one of the things she said. Uh, so I think Caitlin's father and her relationship with her father will be part of next season. Uh, one thing I want them to address is what the hell was Barry talking about when he got out of the Speed Force? They never went back to that. You know the and whole they also, they all, stuff. Uh, yeah, they also had uh, Harry repeating some of the bits and pieces from. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why they don't tell you? Like it's just law. It's just left. Oh, maybe maybe it's being teased. You know, that's maybe they're playing. You know, I've, maybe we're not giving them credit for playing the long game when actually there is a plan for it. It's either that or they're just throwing it in and going, "Future yeah. us will make a decision about what we're doing here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and also, uh, I and I I, th I think I think I saw uh, some uh, some of some of that writing appear uh, on on the on the visor like, uh, when uh, when Harry's like uh, mind was saved. Yeah. Well, they had that whole, he's saying the exact same things Barry was saying. And then they never addressed it at all. Um, 
Yeah, there's there was something about there's something that foreshadows Nora though. There's something about it's too early for her or something like that. Um, so there's they just forget forgot all about this. I think there should also be some se- uh, consequences to him leaving the Speed Force because the Speed Force is a sentient entity of some sort. So the fact that they can just stick something in that looks like Barry and hope that hope for the best, it seems a bit short-sighted there. Especially when they went back in during Enter Flash Time uh, and took that thing out. So, where are the consequences to Barry leaving the Speed Force? We never had any. So we're still waiting on that. So yeah, clearing all that up. I mean, did the writers forget or is it planned for later as you say? I don't know. But see, the consequences of someone being missing from the Speed Force before was pretty quick. That's before they stuck a piece of rock or something in that that fools into thinking that Barry's yeah, there. Sort of like a, a dummy going in, you know, all these people in the Speed Force are talking to a dummy with a picture of Barry on it. Yeah. I don't know, I, I just, <laughs> just, yeah, I think it's like they sit there and it's like, oh, well, someone else wrote that bit of canon, yeah, we're, we're just going to forget that bit and move on to this bit. You know, there's 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 so much, and even when you hear the cast talking at some of the, the sort of Comic Con panels and things, there's a lot of yeah, don't ask about this, we don't know, uh, yeah, don't ask about that either, we don't know, don't ask about that, and you're like, yeah, does anyone who's who's the person that should be standing up there when fans go, eh, what about yeah. <laughs> what about this, what about that, what about how is <laughs> if that person does that and that person goes back, then how does this make sense now? You know, it's like that. Those are the panels that I think the writers need to be sitting, going, "Oh, right, yeah, we need to tidy all this up." Is that how can we tidy this up? But I think at this point, it would be impossible without invalidating some of what they've done. Well, the impression I got is that what Barry was rambling about would be eventually significant in terms of defeating Devore or whatever. But no, it just wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that that may have been their their initial intent. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but but then exactly. You did get a repeat of the "this house is bitching" line in the last episode. Yeah. Because Nora says it when she gets into the house. Well, I liked that it was a running joke. People would just say it occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, a wizard did it. That's all we can say. Magic. Magic. And just because. Yeah, well, I mean, even magic's not an excuse because we have magic in this universe. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's us cathartically ranted about the season for long enough. Um, I certainly feel a lot, lot, lot better. <laughs> it's just... <sighs> I'm going off to see my therapist. <laughs> that same therapist. That yeah, that, that one therapist. I can't remember her name, Dr. Dumman. Comes highly recommended. Everyone in Central City uses her, apparently. You should go see Lucifer's therapist from his own show. She's really good. Um, yeah, so we'll just wrap up here. Uh, any final thoughts from um, about this season, about next season, about The Flash in general, before we sign off? Please, God, do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I can only share that sentiment, and uh, yeah, yeah, I completely share that sentiment. Yeah, please do better next time. So, Chris, thank you for joining for more DC chat as always. Thank you. And Andrew, welcome aboard, and thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. So that was our discussion on the Flash season four. 
And big thanks to YouTuber Enstens1117 for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then please do hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, we would love it if you'd leave a star rating to show us the love. If you have any feedback on our new Neil Before Rise Against feature, or anything else we have to say, then you can contact us directly on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs>